Well, today we're going to begin a four-week series leading up till Christmas time on four themes that have to do with the coming of Christ. We commonly would call this Advent, but today in the first, uh, the first message this morning, we're going to look at that thought of hope and how it surrounded the, the initial coming of Christ and then things that God tells us in his word about how he wants us to hope and what he wants us to hope in. Have you ever hoped for something or in something before? Have you ever hoped for something? <laughs> A couple people have. We've all been kids at one point. Kids are very hopeful. <laughs> My kids are very hopeful. When we get older, we get a little bit more skeptical. But we have all hoped for something. The example that came to mind recently for me was, was based on what I was doing. I was sitting out in a field hoping to see a deer. Now that's hope. Last year I went out and I sat for, for several different times and I saw nothing at all. And I'll tell you, by the end of those few days that I was out last year, I had very little hope because I hadn't seen anything. Going into this year, I had greater hope because I had seen uh, deer around. There were many deer around this year. The more experience that we have, the more hope that we have. The less experience or the more negative experience we have, the, the less hope that we tend to have. Now it says in Romans chapter 8 and verses 24 and 25, I'm just going to say one phrase from these verses. It says, hope that is seen is not hope. In other words, if you've already got it, it's not hope. If you've already been hoping for something and hoping and it has arrived and you have it, you no longer hope for it. You've received it. Hope is something that we don't have as of yet. Now, Israel, they had great hope in their coming Messiah. And I went back and thought about kind of the history of the nation of Israel. Really, in the beginnings, it was just the history of humanity. And their hope came in ebbs and flows. Sometimes it seemed like there was great hope. And at other times, it seemed like there was no hope. Hopes ran high at the beginning of mankind, well, after the fall, but then right in the fall of mankind with Adam and Eve, part of what God said was, your seed or your offspring, your children are going to destroy the serpent that just tricked you. And I'm sure that they were hopeful. I wonder if they even imagined if that meant their own sons and daughters, their own children would be that seed that would destroy the serpent. And yet as we get further and further from that event, we go through hundreds of years, even 2,000 years, and you look at the history of man and it just goes down and down and down. Now, mind you, there are a few bright ones in that time, a few of the godly, but most of mankind was very evil and wicked. And I'm sure it looked to the godly like there was no hope. They had this promise from God. that their enemy would be destroyed. We would say that revival would come, that God would move, but it sure didn't look like it. Well, you go from Adam until Abraham, and you've crossed about 2,000 years of time until Abraham. And then God spoke to Abraham and said that through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. 
That's speaking of the coming Messiah. So Abraham had this promise. Through me is going to be somebody who will come who will bless the entire earth. And I'm sure that he had great hope. But then we move along from Abraham. And his offspring end up in Egypt as slaves. Surrounded by wicked people. They were slaves for longer than we've been a country in the land of Egypt. And I'm sure there was very little hope among the people there. They knew that there was prophecies of a coming Messiah. And yet they were slaves for hundreds of years. And then they were set free from their slavery, delivered from the land of Egypt. And I can imagine they had tremendous hope as they walked away from that land. And yet we find them very soon afterwards stuck in the wilderness for 40 years, complaining about everything, very little hope. And then the young ones of that land would see their parents pass away. Everybody over 20 years of age when they went in the wilderness died before they got to the promised land. But then they come to the promised land under Joshua and they begin to conquer, to receive an inheritance. And I'm sure their hopes began to raise. Hey, it's going good with us now. God is moving among us. It's going well. And then you read through the times of the judges and the times of the kings. And all you read through all of that time is pretty much this. Good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. If you happen to be one of the poor ones stuck in the northern kingdom, it was pretty much bad. But in the southern kingdom, they had good, bad, good, bad. Before that, they had judges and then after a judge, bad, and then another judge and good, and then bad, and then another judge and good. You get the story. We don't have to go through all the accounts of that. And yet, through those times, these are all the accounts we have of many of the prophets in the Bible, and many of them prophesied of the coming Messiah. That was through these ups and downs. That was through captivities. That was through different kings, good and bad, that these prophets continued to give hope to the people of the coming Messiah. One of those prophets is Isaiah. And Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, a very familiar portion to us, Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. We'll read that out of the ESV this morning. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And what hope that must have given to the ones who paid attention to the words of Isaiah. And yet it was hundreds of years between then and when Jesus actually came. It was many more ups and downs in the nation of Israel. I wonder, over those hundreds of years, after these prophecies of Isaiah, how many of the moms in Israel hoped that their baby would be the Messiah? Because they knew the child would be born among them. How many moms must have wondered? When, the, when Jesus finally did come, was it a good time in Israel? No, they were captives in their own land. They were under the rule of the Romans, at that time. 
And yet some, we see in the Christmas story, still had great hope of a coming Messiah. And we see some of these ebbs and flows today, don't we? Right now in our time, I would say we're seeing an ebb, I guess. We're seeing a a moving away from. And our heart, our cry is, Lord, stop that and return us to you. And yet we see the ebb, the moving away from God, continuing. We've experienced great times of revival in our past, in our history, with the Great Awakenings. We've also experienced great times of darkness. And even on a personal level, many of you would say that you've experienced a church service or a youth meeting or a time of devotion in your life where God really met with you. We heard some of those testimonies this morning in Sunday school. And in an amazing way, and we're restored afresh. But then it seems like we go from there into an an ebb. Not that we're moving away from God, but we just come into a difficult time, perhaps. Life isn't always easy. But no matter what happens in our life, it should not cause us to lose our hope in God. Just like the faithful ones of Israel, they did not lose their hope that their Messiah would come. I was thinking of some examples at the time of Jesus that expressed hope for his coming and when he came. And some of those we find in Matthew. We won't read the passages, but in Matthew 2, verses 1 through 2, the wise men, they knew that that star meant that a king was born in Israel. Now, we're not told any more than that, but somehow they knew and they came and they had hope of finding this great king. Then we find another group of people right after that who had hope. I I think their hope maybe have been a little misaligned, but it says the Pharisees, when the king asked them about the Messiah, they were able to quote the messianic prophecies of the Old Testament. So they had hope that the Messiah would come. Wasn't quite what they were looking for, but they were hoping for him to come. And then in Luke chapter 2, we find an account of a man named Simeon in the temple. And Simeon came up, and um, when Jesus came to the temple to be dedicated, he came up and and blessed the child. And it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 25, that he waited for the Messiah. He was waiting for the Messiah. And I looked up that word, waiting, and it means waiting with confidence or expectation. He had great hope that the Messiah would come. But... Why did he have such great hope that the Messiah would come even in his lifetime? Well, the next verse tells us that the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would not die before the Messiah came. He had a specific word from God. That gave him tremendous hope. It was the truth of God that he could completely lean on for his hope. But then even after that promise, it doesn't tell us how long it was between when God told him that and when Jesus came. We don't know. It makes it sound like he's an older man. He's ready to die. It makes it sound like it's been a long time. So he had to wait and wait and wait and not lose hope. It's easy to hope when things are going well. And it's easy to feel hopeless when they're not. It's easy to hope when things are going well, and it's easy to feel hopeless when they're not. But real hope is not really based on how we feel. 
but it's based on an expectation founded in a truth, which should be founded in a truth from God. That is real hope. And I say should be because many, and probably us at different points of our life, if we were to be honest, have hoped in something that wasn't necessarily based on a truth from God or from his word. And that's when we, we arrive at this phrase, somebody's hopes have been shattered. Because it wasn't based on what is true. I was thinking of Israel at the time of Jesus. You know, many were waiting for their Messiah, but when Jesus came, their hopes were shattered. They missed him. And why was that? Because their hope was based in what they expected God to do for them. Their hope was not based in God himself. And they thought this Messiah is going to come and going to set them free from the Romans. And that was their hope. That's what they wanted to happen. And when their Messiah came and did not do that, when God didn't do what they expected of him, their hopes were shattered. And they missed Jesus, many of them. So their hopes were based on a wish, what they thought God was going to do. And I was reading this verse as I was studying for the sermon this morning. In Matthew 1, verse 21, it's the angel talking to Joseph. And the angel said, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from... And I could just, as I read the verse, I could just picture Joseph thinking what the angel was going to say, finishing his sentence. He will save his people from the Romans. And then, you know, I'm not accusing Joseph. Maybe he didn't think this, but there would have been many in Israel who would have. When the angel finished the sentence and said, from their sins, he would have been, whoa, 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 what? You just said, from their sins? He's going to save the people of God from sin? We're supposed to be saved from the Romans. What is this talk about being saved from their sins? But that was what God sent Jesus for, to save people from their sins. So just like the ones in Israel that hoped in God to send their Messiah in a true hope, we're to hope in God. And our hope needs to be in him and specific truth from him. You know, the Bible says that my, in Psalms chapter 119, verse 81, my soul faints for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. I'm waiting for you, God. I hope in you. Uh, I'm waiting for your salvation, and it's been a long time, but I hope in what you have said, in your word. There are many Christians in America today that are hoping for a political reformation, somehow for God to move in the politics of our lands. But is there hope in God, or is it in something else? And that's a question we need all to ask ourselves. Where is my hope? Is it in God? Or am I hoping in what I expect God to do? That's where we can miss it. We have to have our hope in God. We don't want to live in hopelessness, but our hope needs to be in the right thing. And we're going to look at three different um, points about hope this morning from the Bible and to encourage us. And the first one is, what should we hope in. Now, the first one is God. I think we've already clearly established that, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. It's clear in the scriptures that our hope needs to be in God. 
If you hope in God with no wrong expectation of what you think God is supposed to do, you will never be disappointed in God or in what happens if your hope is in the right place. There's very familiar Psalms in Psalms chapter 42 and verse 43 where King David said three different times the exact same things in these Psalms. He said, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. And you can find many other references in the Psalms where the the psalmist David specifically talks about how his hope is in God. But in these passages, he says, hope, soul, emotions, hope in God. For I will praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Do you ever feel cast down or hopeless by what's going on in your life or around you? Well, just like the psalmist, we can hope in God. Does your soul ever feel disquieted? And that word just means great, great commotion or tumult. Does your soul ever feel in tumult? That's this, up and down. Just like the psalmist, we can hope in God. That answer is clear. And I found this interesting in, the, in these verses. It says, God is the health of your countenance. And I looked up the word countenance. You know what it means? Your face. God is the health of your face when you are in difficulty. If you hope in God, it will change your face in difficulty. You don't have to look cast down or trodden down or disappointed. We don't have to because God can change our face. So our hope must be in him. The Bible is also clear on a couple other things that very clearly tell us we can hope in these. And the next uh, couple that I have are salvation and eternal life. Salvation and eternal life. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. The hope of salvation is a helmet we can put on. Now let me ask you, when do you wear a helmet? You got it. What can happen if you're on a bike without a helmet? Yeah, which part of you? Your head. Good job. We wear a helmet to protect our head from injury, from a child on a bike to an adult on a bigger bike or a motorcycle or whatever else. We wear a helmet to keep us from getting hurt. So what, what, the, what Paul is saying here in Thessalonians is salvation, and specifically the salvation of Jesus, is a helmet to protect our mind. The hope of that protects our mind. Do you ever have wrong thoughts? I'm not even necessarily talking like evil, wicked thoughts, but just wrong thoughts, things that aren't true, um, wrong feelings, that sort of thing. Well, we can put on the helmet of the hope of salvation to protect our mind against that. Salvation is saving people from their sins, right? We read that of what the angel said to Joseph. He will come and save his people from their sins. And many sins 
most of our sins, I think, happen here. Oh, sure, we do the occasional physical thing wrong, but most of our sins are in our mind, in the wrong thoughts, in negativity, in, in all sorts of things that can happen that go on in our head. Well, if Christ came to save his people from their sins, that means he came to rescue them from those sins, which is to help them to overcome those sins. He came to save us from wrong thoughts, and we can hope in that, and that hope, it's a scriptural truth, it's perfectly fine to hope in. If you believe Jesus died for you, you live for him, you can put on the hope of salvation as a helmet to protect your head from injury by wrong thinking. Now, eternal life is also something we can hope in. The Apostle Paul talked about this in Titus in a couple places. In Titus chapter 1, verse 2, he said, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. No matter how bad things get here on earth around us, you know, we know they're getting dark. And when we hear people say, well, this must be the end because of how dark it's getting. But I am sure it can get much darker. But no matter how dark things get around us, we can always hope in eternal life. We can always know that this is not our long-term home. We are going somewhere much better. And that gives us hope to endure whatever we may be facing. And the third thing I have under here is the return of Christ. The Bible also tells us we can hope in the fact that Jesus is coming back. Titus chapter 2 verse 13 says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That blessed hope, the appearing of Jesus, our Savior. He's going to return again. And that gives us hope. We don't know when, but we know he's going to. And we can hope in that part of God. So we can meditate on these aspects of God. To hope in him, to hope in his salvation, in eternal life, and that he's coming again. These will help change our perspective here on earth. Now, we still have to live every day. Some days are better than others. I'm not a downer, don't get me wrong. Not every day is a horrible day. But we do have difficult things that we walk through. And in those times, we need to put our hope in God and not spend our time thinking negatively about the difficulties around us. It will change our perspective. Now, the next thing I want to look at is some things that work hope in us. Things that work hope in us. And this seems like an odd place to go to talk about hope, but the first verses I have here are uh, a, a book of the Bible that was written by the prophet Jeremiah at a time when it seemed like he had no hope. We call that book Lamentations. It's a lot of, of great sorrow and great difficulty. But in this passage, in the middle of it, there's a section of verses that talk about him having hope in the Lord. And we'll look at chapter 3, verses 18 through 26. Lamentations 3, 18 through 26. We won't read all of those. But in, in verses 18 through 20, you read through these, he sounds pretty down, pretty hopeless. He says, my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. 
My soul continually remembers these things and is bowed down within me. So, I mean, he's down and out from what's going on around him. But then we come to this, verse 21. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Therefore I have hope because I'm calling these things to mind. And then we come to them in verses 22 through the next little bit. Verse 22, the steadfast love of God never ceases. God's love never fails, no matter what happens around me, and that gives me hope. Amen? There's a direct correlation between hope and what you think about. He called these things to mind. So think in your life of when you've seen the steadfast love of God. Remember those things, no matter what you're going through. The next part of verse 22, his mercies never come to an end. God's mercy, as we said last Sunday, is his kindness never fails. He is always kind and merciful. When have you experienced the mercy of God in your life? Meditate on that. It will remind you and give you hope, no matter what you're going through. Verse 23 says, great is thy faithfulness. God is so faithful. God never fails. God never changes. God is always dependable. We said last Sunday, he is the rock. When have you seen God's faithfulness in your life? I got a hand back there. <laughs> Elisha has seen the faithfulness of God. Amen. Remember those times when you have seen his faithfulness in your life and it will give you hope. Verse 24 says, God is my inheritance or my portion, specifically in the Bible. And I, I just imagine Jeremiah standing back and looking that all his Israel, Israel's gone through. They've lost everything. They've gone into captivity. They've been through horrible times. Physically, they have basically nothing. And yet in this, he says, I will remember and hope God is my inheritance. No matter what I lose here on earth, God is my inheritance. I've still got him, no matter what. And that is the greatest thing of all. And then he goes on the next couple verses. He says in verse 25, God is good to those who wait, who seek. I'm paraphrasing here. So it's a reminder to himself, Lord, I will wait on you. I will seek you, no matter what is happening in my life. Verse 26, it is good to hope and quietly wait for the salvation of God. It is good to hope and quietly wait. Now, it's not easy. It's easy to get stirred up when things are happening around us. But Jeremiah says it is good to quietly wait for the salvation of God. If we allow ourselves to get stirred up, we will not have hope. We will not have peace. Or we may have hope in maybe ourselves or our own capabilities or something, but that will fail. We need to quietly wait on God. So we have these lessons of, of what builds hope in our life. And from Jeremiah here in Lamentations, I would say really it's the focus on God. It is remembering the specific character qualities of God and what, how he has moved in our life in times past. I've got one more passage here that I want to look at. It's Romans chapter 5. One more passage under this section here of what builds hope in our life. 
Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. I'm not going to read all them. We know, or many of us would know these passages, but it talks about, uh, in verse 3, he says, not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, or does, hope does not let us down, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When we learn to view suffering or difficulty or whatever we want to call it as positive endurance building in our life, it builds greater proof of the goodness and love of God. And that's because that word experience here is literally translated as proof. You've lived through these things, now you've got proof of what God can do and what God does. And as that, that suffering, it produces a greater endurance to go through difficulty, which produces greater proof of the goodness of God, now our hope is built in God because we've got experience with him. But it all starts with one word that none of us like, difficulty. We could look at 2020, many of us, and say this has been at least a weird year, but many of us would look at it and say, this has been more of a difficult year than other times of our life. But remember, God works in us through difficulty. Now here's the flip. If we don't let him work in us through difficulty, we become worse. We become more critical. We become more negative. We could become more conspiracy, whatever. We become all of these bad things if we don't learn to focus on God and let him use these things in our life. So that's a word to me and to all of us here. God has a reason for what's happening in your life. Whether good or bad, if it's difficult, if it's good, he has a purpose and he wants us all to learn to hope in him. But it comes through these times of difficulty. If we just lived great easy lives like we often have for most of our life here in America, with our problems basically being first world problems and we're blessed all the time, greater than we even realize, it's hard to have our hope built in God. It's a blessing, but our hope's not built in these things. And then when difficulty does come, we're so used to being blessed, it's very hard to handle the difficulty. So it's times like these we're facing with, and I wrote down a few, unrest, financial and work issues for many people, political upheaval, pandemic and sicknesses, etc. It's times like these that build greater endurance. It's times like these that build our experience as proof of what God can do. And it will build our hope in him. So difficulty. There you go. That's your encouragement for today. Embrace the difficulty. It's not easy, but God is always good. God will take care of us. We must hope in him. And then in closing for today, the last thought that I have that we'll walk quickly through is benefits of hoping in God. Now you could gather some of these, but we'll just walk through them. The first one's very obvious. Psalms 146 verse 5. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord. If you hope in God, it will change your countenance. 
you will be a happy and joyful person. If you walk around all the time like, woe is me, I'm going through difficulties and, and this is happening in my life and we even say things like, well, God is just stretching me right now. And we, we honestly mean that, right? We see God working in our life, but we're not really hoping in him. Hoping in God produces joy and happiness in our life. It changes our countenance. The opposite is true. If you are hopeless, you are guaranteed to be unhappy the majority of the time. If you live a hopeless life, we don't want to be like that. We can rejoice even in the worst days if we're hoping in God, if our eyes are fixed on him. So that's Psalms chapter 146, verse 5. And I want to look, uh, final uh, verses for this section, Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. It says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. So Jeremiah goes through some specific uh, vineyard or, or tree examples here to illustrate what somebody is like when their hope and trust remains in God. And the first thing he says is they will be like a tree planted by waters with deep roots. And to me, that means they're constantly fed and they're nourished. And if we hope in God, even when things are difficult, our character will grow. We will be fed even when things are difficult because our roots have gone down deep. He says that they shall not see when heat cometh. They'll keep their leaves green. They won't be worried about drought. So drought would be a really hard time, right? If you're a tree, you don't want to experience a drought. If you're anything, you don't really want to experience a drought. But Jeremiah is saying it doesn't affect this tree. Why? Because their hope and trust is in God. To me, that, that means if, if we hope in God, our spiritual life will not dry up. We won't feel like we're just finished, like we're just done, like we're in such a drought. If our hope is truly in God, it will strengthen us through the difficult time. And then he finally says that this tree will never cease from yielding fruit because it's unaffected by what's going on around it in a negative way. It is still receiving nourishment. It is still growing. It is still strong. Therefore, it is still producing fruit even though it's surrounded by drought. If you hope in God and I hope in God, we will be fruitful no matter what happens around us. There could be great, health, great drought, sorry, but we can be healthy and flourishing. Perhaps every Christian, and I'm not saying this because this is not true of me, but put yourself in this scenario. If every Christian around you was depressed and drying up and negative and so down and out, if we would put our hope in God, we don't have to be like that. We can be flourishing. We can be growing. We can be fruitful despite what's happening. Now that's, again, not true of all of us, and we don't want it to be true that everybody is down and out. I don't see that on everybody's faces. 
but continue and learn to hope in God so you remain growing and fruitful. So then just in conclusion this morning, you know, Israel hoped in their coming Messiah for thousands and thousands of years. And they finally received that fulfillment, that hope. When Jesus came, their hope was fulfilled. If our hope is in God, we will never be let down. That's one thing I want to conclude with today. So ask yourself this question. Is my hope in God? Or is my hope in something that I want God to do? Where's my hope? It must be in God. Do I accept difficulty as a means of strengthening my hope in God? Or do I complain? Do I fail under pressure because my mind immediately goes to negative? What am I looking at when things are tough? Or am I rejoicing and strong because I hope in God? Do I need more hope? I need more hope. Do you need more hope? There's a verse that we're going to close with in Romans 15, verse 13. It says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope. God can fill us so that we abound in hope, so that we keep our eyes in the right place, so that we don't allow ourselves to be cast down. We can hope in God. So let's close in that prayer. Uh, let's close in prayer for that, Lord. Help us to hope in you. Help us to remember your goodness and your faithfulness. Help us to fix our eyes on you, Lord. And, and we thank you so much that you came to earth as a baby, that you came as the hope of Israel, as the, the savior of the world. And Lord, we thank you that you say in your word that you are coming again to the world. Um, Lord, we don't know when that is. We, we look around us and we see many have turned away from you. We're surrounded by much godless, godlessness now. Lord, I pray that you would help us not to be affected negatively by that. Lord, help us to continue to hope in you, to keep our eyes fixed on you. Help us to embrace whatever you bring into our life, to do whatever work you want to do in our life. And help us not to be a critical and complaining people, but help us to be thankful and to remember your goodness and your faithfulness. Build our hope, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. The musicians can come.